Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 13th episode of the With Podcast. 13. Lucky number 13. I'm glad we don't believe in luck, but rather we believe in Jesus and hard work. So here we are at the 13th episode of the With Podcast. We're going to try again today to wrap our heart, head, and hands around one simple part of being, uh, how to be with. With comes in lots of different forms, with God, with others, and with ourselves. Thank you so much for listening, and however and wherever you find yourself doing so today, uh, the more people we have in this conversation, we really believe the better off our world will be. We're recording this on Thursday, uh, May 14th, 2020. I say that because if you are a listener to the With Podcast, you realize that we did not have one on the 12th of May, which was a Tuesday. We've been releasing them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And as seasons come and go and dynamics shift, we are beginning to pivot some creativity and um, some of our time. So we won't be releasing uh, podcasts on Tuesdays, but only on Thursdays. If you are listening to this at some future flux capacitor engaged season and time, that does not matter to you, but we're so glad that you're listening with us today. All right, to our content and our conversation, I want to today continue our conversation on caring for ourselves because we, who are the only beings in the entire universe who have ultimate access to ourselves, need to be encouraged to engage that access. I find ourselves, all humans, to be three parts, as we are made in the impression and image of God, who is three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So are we three, body, soul, and spirit. These pieces and parts of us are distinct and overlapping. They splash into one another's pools. Individually, each is sturdy and can be experienced on its own, but they feed off of different sources while deeply being affected by each other. They, they lean on each other, and yet taken together, they form the singular person we are. My mom, when I was younger, even still to this day, from time to time, uh, would comment, Christoph, you're a real piece of work. <laughs> the, the translation, the real meaning of those words, depended on the circumstances surrounding. Usually, I was being funny or witty, trying to deflect some less than bright decision I had made, or had attempted to sow my creative powers in some less than righteous, not very helpful way. And so these words would come forth, you're a real piece of work. And I was. I am. I'm still a real piece of work. More to the point, I'm a lot of work. There is nothing simple about me. On my easiest days, it takes a lot of effort to understand me, interpret what I'm saying, or figure out what I'm really feeling. Just being around me for any length of time can be a chore. (laughs) Anyone else honest enough to admit, uh, resonating with the words that are echoing into your consciousness, creating a yes and amen images of your life right now, (laughs) don't laugh too hard because to whatever degree you're a human, I think you'll find you're the very same way. At least uh, the truthful people in your life could corroborate my blanket statement. Whoever told you that you were easy to be around and always pleasant to understand, simple to figure out and know, that person was either lying to you or selling you something. You are a lot of work. But that's, hey, that's okay. You're human. Complexity, difficulty, the need for work to be us, hello, is installed hardware in all of us. 
This, I believe, is the main reason why Jesus delivers to us in the New Testament details the early church's journey of embracing God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit, who's called lots of things in our day and age, but in the scriptures, he's called comforter. He's called helper. He is named comforter because that's what he brings. He's named helper because that's who he is. Uh, The Bible declares that he leads us and guides us to truth. In your time that you have, read John 14, 15, and 16 as Jesus details and unpacks Holy Spirit's presence and effectual reality in lives. And as if the us of us isn't enough, crying out for work to be done, we are in our humanity, open loop and susceptible to shifting seasons. Now, what does that mean? Open loop. Open loop means simply that we are affected. We are shaped. We are as people, as beings altered by things around us, regardless of our involvement with them, whether we want them to shape us or alter us or affect us. We just are. That's the nature of being open loop. We're not closed off. We are engaging and inviting other stuff into us. I mean, look at the examples of when you walk into a store. Have you ever gone shopping and find yourself whistling or humming a song that you don't remember hearing? Because while you were at TJ Maxx or while you were at some other store when we went and did things like that, when we shopped and went to stores, that music was affecting you. It was kind of getting into you and you weren't even trying to pay attention. Hello, weather people out there. Maybe you're like me and you get a cloudy, rainy day and something in your soul says yes and you open up and you find joy and comfort in just kind of slowing down. Or maybe you're like Nancy Kravitz who on a sunny day, she just comes alive. She's affected by that. When I taught in middle school and high school, uh, other teachers who had taught for longer than me would talk about the effect a full moon would have on the kids and the students and I remember the early days of my teaching just shaking my head and be like what are they talking about these aren't like little creeks and rivers that have affecting tides because of the full moon that's insane until a couple of weeks into my teaching we had some crazy interactions and a whole bunch of stuff break out in school one morning and I remember being uh, in the hallway looking at the teacher and be like what is going on and that teacher looked at me and she said it was a full moon last night <laughs> we are affected by things around us I mean first Corinthians 15:33 makes the crazy statement that bad morals corrupt good habits I mean just think about that for a second bad morals bad thoughts bad ways perhaps of thinking corrupt can manufacture negative issue in good habits. Habits are patterns, things that are settled. So a thought can change something that's settled. I mean, we're open loop. Things around us can change us in terms of the shifting season comment I made. I'm not just talking about fall, winter, spring, and summer, though that does change us, how we feel and kind of how we interpret stuff. I'm talking more about life seasons. We are work. But then, as life seasons come and go and have their way with us, that work just keeps on coming, like like stacks of files at jobs, where things like that are a thing. Uh, for instance, the Ferenbox. We have three kids, uh, Asa, Jude, and Zoe. We've had three kids for six years, but 
the nature of those three kids has drastically changed according to life seasons. For the first time ever, Zoe got on a school bus and she was in kindergarten. And the reality is next year, Asa will be in high school for the first time. So even though we had three kids this year, three kids next year looks vastly different because of where they're going to school, what realities and schedules and sports teams they're a part of. I have been married to Tanya for 17 years this summer. It's been amazing. It's been a huge learning curve for myself. But it's not been the same 17 years. Yes, she's the same woman, same social security number. I'm the same guy, same personality, kind of. But the fact of the matter is, life seasons have caused us to live, to breathe, to think, to move, to exist differently as we have transitioned from one season to another. I remember sitting with a family in our church one time and just dropping the thought in their world. They've got five kids. And even though five is the number of grace, their kids, it's a lot of work. (laughs) But I just threw that thought out there as they're working through marriage and working through life circumstances. I said, yeah, you guys have had five kids, but you've not always had five kids in the grades and the season of development and the emotional maturity that they are this year. They all took a step forward this year than they did from last year. I remember the mom and dad looking at me and just being like, oh, wow, of course, a different season. Those things have huge effects on us. This is why Jesus' words in Matthew 4.19 create and hold so much gravitas for me. He says, follow me. Follow me. You open loop, you shifting season creatures, follow me. That original language is the word that I've spoken on lots of times. It's akolutheo. It doesn't just mean to get in line. Jesus does not ask you to get in line, to shape up and just be different. He says, follow me. Akolutheo. Let me do life with you. I want you to do life with me. Living in this information age as we are, colors and texturizes everything, even our frame of reference and relationship with God, truth, opinions, any any number of random words, facts or not real facts. All these things are at our fingertips in this information age, and it's become normal, expected with lightning speed. I mean, it's so inculcated to who we are, we don't even realize how much this information age reality affects us. I mean, I'm a young guy. I'm 39. I know I look younger, but I clearly remember when you had to try really hard to get information. You had to read books, maybe even go to the library. Now it it takes a couple of clicks, one millisecond, boom, a treasure trove of information is right there. I mean, I just Googled treasure about, and Google did it. And it it told me, it said about 651 million results in 0.56 seconds. In just over half a second, I have more information available to me about the word treasure. I mean, are you kidding me? This access to information also means we tend to bend around what we know or, or what information we have. Like it, or not, or even if you're aware of it or not, information has become power. We have developed, or rather devolved, 
to trying to understand everything. We try to figure things out. We revolve around information and we forego invitation. Hear me when I say this. We revolve around information, understanding, getting to figure something out. And we forgo invitation, just kind of being with something for a while and holding it in our hands and thinking about it in our minds. I mean, if you're anything like any other human that I've come in contact with, we often describe these aha and eureka moments with God when we figure something out. We quote unquote see the light or achieve understanding and we interpret that as God being with us. But the God of the scriptures, this Jesus who gives his everything for us, I have found doesn't always explain life and circumstance. Anybody else agree? I mean, instead, I find that he just constantly gives himself. There's a familiar passage of scripture in John chapter 10 where Jesus is talking about how he and he alone is the good shepherd and there's lots of imagery and there's lots of depth given in these just few verses there's talk of the sheep and the door and the enemy and how the enemy only comes to steal kill and destroy and most people just kind of sit on that verse and we try really hard to run away from what looks like is going to steal kill and destroy from us but but drill down to the essence of this powerful passage, which precedes a resurrection moment, by the way. I mean, John 10, if we can understand and lean into what Jesus is trying to get at, I believe the reason there's a resurrection of Jesus' friend Lazarus in the very next chapter is because as we understand the voice and the presence of Jesus, we will have and experience resurrection in our own lives. But what you find is Jesus telling us so we can know him. We can know his voice. There's an importance at knowing his voice. Again, not information, but invitation. God is more essay than multiple choice. Multiple choice has one right answer. One. Now, now, they do crazy things. And yes, my kids are home more and we're doing some homeschooling stuff. So you're going to get a little bit of a school analogy here. But in my day, you'd have four or five choices and one answer for multiple choice. Now, now they do crazy things where three of the four might be right, but there is one righter than the rest. I mean, come on. I mean, how wrong is that? But anyway, I digress. Essays in the educational analogy I'm building give us a chance to sketch, to shape, to string together something grander and more encompassing than circling a letter or coloring in a bubble provides. That's why oftentimes in the scriptures when you see something about knowing, when you see the word know, the original Greek is gnosko. Knowing, not information, but of embracing invitation, knowing by experiencing that word gnosko to know God as it's placed in scriptures often is about intimately experiencing. It's the same verb and word that's applied for a husband to know a wife in the most intimate, physical, emotional sense. Don't waste any more time trying to figure that thing out or figure out God. Leave information to the spaces and places where it belongs and serves us well.
with your life, I'd encourage you to lean into the invitation to let God be with you. Less multiple choice and more essay. Now, we love you all so much and we're grateful. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. I didn't give us a whole lot to actually apply today, but I hope that it's something that will cause you to think and imagine and consider. Now, may you, in the way of our Christ, go. Be with and care for yourself as God cares for and is with you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We'll, we'll talk to you next time.